We are in Austin. And this episode, Eric and I sit down to give a closing to the chapter that has been the tiny cabin, to reflect on some of the things that have called us to Austin, and to share a glimpse into our vision that we're holding while we build our new life here. And the only other thing I want to share before we dive straight into the conversation is this prayer that came forth through a Wayne Dyer book. It's Prayer of St. Francis. That has been my guiding light and really my mentor through this whole process. As my brain tries to come in to this heart vision that we've been holding, that it feels so expansive, and the brain has been trying to come in to come up with reasons why we're moving or trying to get things done or try to figure out how I'm going to introduce myself, all these things, this prayer came in just at the perfect time and lifted the veil of the needing to know why so that we can be fully present for being. Here we go. Here's prayer of St. Francis. Eternal one, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. And where there is sadness, joy. Grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Before we begin, I'm so excited to introduce you to the sponsor of this episode, Mudwater. It's one of my favorite products that I use every single day. I'll be honest with you, it's been on my list of dream brands to partner with for years, probably since I started the podcast. Okay, so what is Mudwater? If we're connected on Instagram or TikTok, you probably have already seen me making my morning beverage with Mudwater. Here's the thing. Mudwater is a coffee alternative but I love drinking it with my coffee. I typically make a shot of espresso, froth some oat milk with mud water, and serve it hot or rice depending on the weather. Mud water has four adaptogenic mushrooms and Ayurvedic herbs. It's got functional mushrooms, which I love, like lion's mane, chaga, and reishi, plus spices like cinnamon and turmeric, and it gives you the energy without the crash or anxiety or jitters because it has one-seventh of the caffeine of a cup of coffee. Now, what I notice is when I drink coffee alone, there's jitters, and a little bit later on, there's a crash. But when I drink it with mud water, I don't get all these weird coffee side effects. On its own, mud water is like a next-level chai cacao beverage. The cool thing about it is that it easily dissolves in liquid, whether it's nut milk or water. There's no brewing needed. I typically use a handheld frother, and it does the job really, really well. In the summer, I also love making a mud water chai smoothie with almond milk, frozen banana, almond butter, collagen, and mud water. It's so, so good. Mud water comes in recyclable tins. They are really beautiful. I love reusing them. And what I've been doing is subscribing to the 100 serving bag of mud water and then just refilling my tin. 
there aren't a lot of products I love enough to subscribe to, and this is one of them. To try Mudwater, you can go to mudwater.com and use code Ksenia to get 15% off your first purchase. That's M-U-D-W-T-R.com and use code Ksenia, K-S-E-N-I-A, for 15% off. Currently, all orders ship within U.S. and Canada. Another reason I love Mudwater is because they donate a percentage of earnings to psychedelic research, which is a field that is dear to my heart and one that has come up in so many of podcast conversations. I am so grateful to partner with such aligned brands to be sponsors of the show. It helps pay for all of the production costs. And honestly, every time I think about it, I'm just so moved and grateful that I get to do what I love the most, which is to have these conversations and I get to get paid for it. It really shows me that it is possible to be in our highest expression and our highest service and be provided for, fully provided for. I get to amplify a brand that I believe in with my full heart and you potentially get to discover a new brand and a new product that will add value to your own life. Now let's get to the episode. Here we are in Austin. Texas. Can you believe it? We live in Austin now. When we go to a shop and people ask us, where are you guys from? It took a minute to adjust to say, oh, actually, we're now from here. We are not from here, but we do live here. That's right. At some point, I will be saying we are from here. How many years will that take? I have no idea. That's kind of a crazy question. How am I supposed to know? It could be five minutes from now. They say in New York, after 10 years, you can legit say, I'm a New Yorker. Really? So did you make it, the New Yorker status? I actually did. Wow. What about after 30 plus years, what can you say? <sighs> Upper West Side. Well, here we are in Austin, Texas. And um, I kind of feel like starting one year ago. By the way, you have the cutest sun freckles on your nose. I don't think I've ever seen that before. And that's just a couple of days in the sun. Hopefully I don't get too many freckles or the, the bad freckles. So one year ago, but let's just say 13 months ago, I, I was like, you know what? I really need a workshop to make some of my art in because my office isn't, uh, isn't big enough. So we built this workshop and it was very expensive in a good way. And Ksenia, you even helped. You funded some of it too with your own side funds that, you know, and it was made and it was absolutely beautiful and gorgeous. And about a couple of days in, or maybe a weekend, you said, all right, now let's move to Austin. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought to myself, no, like I'm in denial, but at some point I did come to terms with the fact that this, the place that we live probably isn't going to be, not, there's not much more room to grow in this place just as individuals. Now, that doesn't mean that the workshop was a waste or it doesn't mean anything we did was a waste. What I realized was, well, you don't know how much longer you're going to have this workshop. You don't know how much longer you're going to have this blueberry bush or how much longer you're going to, this is going to be there. So let's appreciate that. So at some point, a couple months in, maybe a month well, in. Well, then in August yeah. for my birthday, we came to Austin to actually feel it out because neither one of us had ever been to Austin. Well, actually, no, I had been very briefly. And 
somehow something within me, not even remembering that I'd been here before, it kept calling me to this place. So we decided to take a trip, just a long weekend trip for my birthday with a couple of friends. The goal was, by the way, for me to fall in love with it, correct? The goal was for us both to feel into it and see if it's right. Because previously, I had a similar feeling about Nashville. And we went to visit and we even toyed with the idea of buying something there would look like real estate. But ultimately, with a little bit of time, it was so clear that's not the place for us to be at this time. With Austin, that trip solidified for me that I did want to move to Austin. And for you, it took some more months. Yeah, I wasn't really sold on Austin in August. But I think it's really the moving part was that the process of figuring out, like, what do I need in my life? What do I want in my life? Like, what's, what's something that I've got to have for my love, growth, passion? I can't think of the right word. What do I need? Oh, in order to be fulfilled. And I found that it's really not attached to a, to a particular location or a space. It's just got getting the um, spiritual support from a community. It is my wife being happy. It is just me having the space to do what I want to do, which I really think can be done anywhere. So I was never too worried about moving to a place I didn't want to move to at all. I was more interested in Xenia, you getting to a good place for yourself, a place where you felt like you could thrive and do what you wanted to do, because frankly, I'm pretty sure I could do that anywhere. Now, it just so happens to be that I have a really good buddy who lives here, and so does so does Xenia. I've got some buddies here, so it really seemed like awesome. Now, I, what I wanted to say, going back to that 13 month thing with the workshop, was that workshop uh, truly was the fulfillment of everything that I was looking for in life for a while. It was, I always wanted an office. I wanted a workshop, wanted a cool house and nature. And we had literally accomplished all of those things together. And one of the things that happened with the workshop was like, I, I realized I might not have this for more than another couple months. And I thought, you know what, accomplishing this workshop and, and building it, having it even for a couple of weeks, was worth the whole process. And in that year, I've squeezed out, squeezed out, I don't know where I got that <laughs> word from. I've squeezed out the best, most fulfilling, beautiful intuition guided artwork that I've ever done. I felt like I'm really making, making me, creating something that's truly so like natural, flowing, no brain. That's what I would probably say. Like just totally detached from thinking and like evaluating and judging. And that workshop has been so awesome. So for me, I knew that once I had that workshop and I had like created myself as somebody that could really make artwork in any environment, because it wasn't about the place that I had, it was about me being connected to me and the source of that artwork and how to, and how I create it. That was what I got from getting the workshop. Now, would it be nice to have a workshop here that's a thousand square feet and air conditioned? Absolutely. But the truth is, I'm, I might just get one that's 2,500 square feet, <laughs> you know? And we might just get something that's way better because I, I do believe that God only gives upgrades. And um, there's that saying, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. I, I have a, an update to that statement, which, was, which is, the Lord giveth everything you need to grow and taketh away everything that's holding you back that you don't need. Mm. 
You know, it's so interesting what you said about sometimes we crave these possessions and we're so focused on whether it's a possession or an accomplishment, whether it's a house or a car or a title or amount of money in the bank account. And you're so right. It's so not about getting that thing because once you get that thing, if we allow ourselves to over associate with it, like that's the reason or that's the proof of what we're capable of. We get disconnected from the fact that it's about who we become in the process and that we can accomplish and achieve and get anything that we're meant to get. And if we were to build your dream workshop and then hold on to it because that was a dream that got accomplished, it's like taking up space, the energetic space around you of what's next and what could be bigger. Same with the house. I really loved living in that house. And it's harder to say no to something that is great and leap into that unknown, trusting that there's something even better, but that really feels like that's the situation here. Here's what I realized is like the sum up of everything. It just took me a while to really get into the groove here. Here's the sum up. What we did was we left a place that we loved at the absolute most beautiful time of the year right when our blueberries and blackberries were about to pop. (laughs) We left this place that we owned. The house had not been closed yet. Still isn't pending this week. The stuff had not been packed up that well yet. The stuff that we moved, that we are moving, is going into a trailer that may not arrive in our current location in Austin for 14 to 17 days. So all of the stuff and the place that we associate ourselves with is not just like gone or closed, but is completely in limbo and the unknown. And we moved to Austin here without any place that we knew we were going to live after two weeks of this Airbnb. And it's so funny. Anytime we would mention to people we're moving to Austin or that we sold our house, one of those two, the first thing people say Oh, congrats on your new home. Can I, can I see it? And we're like, hold on, pause. There is no new home. And it's so interesting how we as humans are so conditioned to have these certainties. And we assume that, okay, well, if there's no home here, there must be another one somewhere. And it's not the case. And I feel like in the way that we live our lives and the way we did our wedding and the way we bought the tiny cabin and moved to it, it is really weaved together with choosing the unknown, whether it's willingly or not, because if we went with what we already know, then it would have been too small. How do you see that? What do you think in particular that's the case for? For example, if one of us or both of us insisted on flying out here, getting a rental, making sure we're all set up, and then by the time we move in, that we have a home for the next however many months, I feel like that would have limited what's possible for this next step of our lifestyle. And one of the reasons I love being temporarily in this Airbnb and then somewhere else is because we get to explore not just theoretically different areas, but we get to explore living in different environments. Like right now we're in a city, but but in a park, maybe our next rental will be more country on a farm with calves and sheep. Or something. This this way there's this freedom of exploration because we didn't choose security. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if we'll 
I was about to say, I don't know if we'll regret that. I, I don't think we will at all. In fact, it was the situation, and I think past experiences can can help because when we moved into our cabin, we had no idea how difficult it was going to be to navigate that situation. Not only how, how difficult it would be just experientially, like size, tiny, bathroom, terrible, uh, no driveway, like place smell weird. And then let alone how, how challenging it was be going to be to make it better, but how satisfying it would be to improve that property. We had no idea about that too. And I'm, I'm pretty close to sure that if we knew all the things that we were going to have to do, we might not have jumped into it in the first place. That's why I, I kind of, they say that thing, like, you know, there's nothing worse than contempt prior to investigation. I'm like, oh yeah, well, there's, for me, there's nothing worse than any kind of investigation at all. Just jump right in. <laughs> and so, um, you know, my artwork is very much so, like I start it and I have some sort of vague idea where it's going, but I don't, I don't know how long it's going to take. I don't know what it's finally going to look like, but it's more like I'm feeling it out energetically. And sometimes a project when it's done, it could be, could have taken me 30 hours or more. Now, if, if all I was told before the project was, this is going to take 30 hours, you know, that wouldn't be a great way of measuring whether or not I should do it. I have no idea. What, what is 30 hours? I have no idea. So I think for us, this new adventure, we just know like we're going to just go be in the unknown. And the more unknown there is, the more opportunities for surprise. And generally surprises are, can be pretty good. Yeah. And before we speak more to this vision that we're holding, that we're stepping into, I would love to go back and into you saying what it took for you to say yes to Austin. Because I think, so after our trip, you still weren't sure. Then it took a few months. And then I feel like our trip to Russia and our COVID delay, where we ended up living there for a few weeks in my family home, something about something must have happened there where it just got solidified for you because by the time we got home from Russia, you said, okay, let's plan a trip to Austin and let's look at real estate and let's get real about this. I did that? Mm-hmm. I don't remember that that well. I don't quite know what happened. I think what it was is we moved out of our current environment for a little bit of time and I tend to have a pretty short memory on these things, <laughs> like, which is a big positive because I have a hard time holding grudges because I just can't remember what I was upset about. <laughs> at certain point. I'm like, oh yeah, okay. I can't really remember what I was upset about. So I'm like, well, I'm not going to try to remember it. <laughs> so I have a pretty short memory. Once we moved out of our environment and we weren't moving to a place that we were considering moving, but it was just like a separation. It allowed me to be like, oh, I don't really need what we have. I like it. I love it. But it's better to leave where we are while we're still in love than leave when it's already past due. Mm. And we weren't past due on that place, but I don't know how much more time there was for us to be there and be thriving. So better to just jump into the unknown right away, I think. And another piece of that move was right before we moved, like when we knew we were moving, there was something that happened to me, which was I both had these moments of like, I love where we are and like, I'm so happy to leave where we are. And it was this nice friction that was there. It was like, oh, 
I'm so happy that we're leaving this place where it's tough to go grocery shopping or it's, we have to drive so far to get to anywhere and quote unquote civilization. <laughs> and then it was the other half of it was like, Oh man, like I'm so disappointed that we're leaving like the most beautiful, quiet, peaceful nature place I've ever been to. I'm so disappointed we're leaving before our blueberries become blue because they're green. That, for me, that was so crushing. It sounds so small, but the fact that we didn't get a blueberry this year. They represented a dream. They represented a dream for me, which is I always wanted to have my own like berry blueberry bushes. Because I went blueberry picking one time 12 years ago and it was so beautiful. I was like, I need my own blueberry bushes. And we had them. And then this year we planted these bushes and now the, own, the new owners are going to get them. Like they're going to get so many blueberries and yeah. So that, and then my workshop of course was like, I'm really in the groove on what I'm making right now. And I had my TV and couch set up for me to fold while the TV's on in the background, which I really like to do. <sighs> yeah. It, uh, I can't say that it was easy. In fact, on the move out, I was like in a refusal to pack up some of my stuff because in my mind, I was still going to make things the last day that we were there. <laughs> I was like, I couldn't shut down shop. It was so tough. Three days before, four days before, I wished that I could, like future Eric could come back and say, my son, you must pack your things up. <laughs> you will not be able to create in peace. In fact, your packing up is a creation. Yeah, I just couldn't do it. I couldn't, I just, so, you know, we had like a little bit of a mad rush in the move, but it was nothing, nothing compared to the last move. Like, look, you're looking at your face. Oh, you're like, yeah, so I have stressed. a lot of trauma. I still hold from that first move. I think we may have recapped it in the previous episode, 209 or 210 actually. But so what happened after we got back from Russia is we planned that trip to Austin. We came here in March. We looked around at real estate with an agent. And we just started filling out different areas. We got Airbnbs in three very, very different areas. Which was wacky in of itself. All the driving from... It was a lot of yeah. driving. And it was very clear from first moments in each area whether it was a yes or it was a no. And... What we realized towards the end is, well, first of all, there was nothing we fell in love with. There were so many homes that checked all the boxes, but then I would visualize myself and this is how I choose anything really, but primarily where I'm meant to live. I've chosen every apartment like this. I close my eyes and I tune into what is it going to feel like to unpack my bags here? What is it going to feel like to wake up here, to work here, to make meals here? To share moments together with you, and I just couldn't see myself in any of those homes. It didn't feel exciting. It felt draining. Like the energy was kind of like, like very, very low. But either way, we decided that it made sense for us to sell the cabin, get some money from that, so that when we do find something that's meant to be our next home, we're ready to pull the trigger. It didn't happen like that. I don't want to interrupt you. Mm -hmm. I just, it just, it happened pretty differently. Well, let's hear your version. Um, my version? Well, we came here in March and I, I can't say that I was ever like a hundred percent, like I'm dying to move to Austin, but I trust your intuition. I just fully trust it and I have nothing against it. And I, I've got a number of positive vectors in this direction. So 
it was mostly that, but we started looking at houses and I was like, man, these houses are so expensive for like nothing. Like these aren't great houses either. I thought to myself, well, we're going to need to get a house and a house costs money. And it occurred to me in that moment, I was like, oh yeah, we need to sell our house. We're not going to keep it. We had, we had like some sort of fantasy that we were going to keep our cabin and that property and also get another house. I don't know what I was thinking necessarily, but this switch clicked on me and I was like, we need to sell this house because the thought was like, oh, maybe we'll hold on to it and like we could Airbnb it. And then I thought like how complicated it is to navigate our house while we're there to like clean it and handle it and take care of the repairs and stuff like that. It's like, there's no way I want to do this from halfway across the country. So I was like, let's sell this thing. We'll let go of it. Well, we might never come back, get it back, anything like that. But sometimes you got to let go of things that are amazing sometimes just for the unknown. That's really what I believe. So I said, let's sell it. I called the agent in Austin, our, our New York person. I said, we're selling the house and quick, turned it around very quickly. The right person found the house. I want to pause there because to me, that whole... Part of it was very divinely orchestrated. Remember when we started talking about selling the house, I was very clear that there's no need to hold on to something while enjoying something else. Why don't not let enjoy somebody else enjoy it fully and trust that there's going to be something even more incredible for us. And that was part of the energetic release for me. And the moment I started thinking about the sale, I was so overwhelmed with all the cleaning that would need to happen for the showing just like all of the nooks and crannies of the different prop buildings that we have in the property that would need to be seriously cleaned up, like your office, your workshop, some of the areas in our house. And we did it. We cleaned it up. It felt incredible. And then the showing started. And it was a little stressful because we were still, you know, working from there, living there, making our meals there. And then people come and they assess your home. They look at every corner and they walk the property sometimes. And it took a lot for me to kind of distance myself energetically, not like I have intruders in my home, but yeah, this is becoming open in order to find the next right stored. And that's what it took. And then something just came over me and Reggie Riverbear, who has been a guest on the podcast, I was taking some voice lessons with her too really learn to step into my truth and how I show up in the world through the tool that is my voice. And we did a beautiful, beautiful song that expressed my gratitude to the land, to the home for holding this chapter of our lives and then releasing it and letting it go. It was really, really moving. It was like a whole ceremony in itself. And I felt the shift, like something opened up and unlocked. I released. And then for the following showing appointment of the house, I changed that in the calendar from showing to the divine match is on their way. And that morning I woke up in like an altered, expanded state of consciousness and I heard a whisper, offer them coffee. And based on the instructions we got on things real estate, you're not supposed to really interact with the buyers. You might give too much information or whatever that is. There's not really any concerns we had about any of that, but I offered the potential buyer and the ag their agent coffee. And before the buyer even saw the house itself, they just felt the land, 
we had a quick exchange where they told me, like it was clear from their eyes, this is it. I want it. I want it. And it was this beautiful moment, you know, where I said, I prayed for this. I gave it over. I had a ceremony. And the buyer said, I prayed for this. And it was like, click, 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 click. And that ended up being the person who put the offer on the house. And then now it's pending and it should be closing next week. And we've had some beautiful exchanges since. And that was to me such big proof that we don't have to figure anything out on our own. We can always give things over to the divine, give it over to God. And things will always be orchestrated in the most graceful way possible without the need of this human stress every step of the way. Yeah, you did really good on that. Thanks. Giving uh, what made me think about when the new people came, part of me was thinking like, I mean, I really need to figure these things out themselves. But another part of me wanted to give the guidance that we did not get. Because when we moved in, the- We were out on our own. It was wild. It was it was so wild west. It was insane. Not we didn't know only, a single yeah, person. We didn't know a single person, but we also didn't have a single person. The seller knew because they hadn't lived there in a very long time and they didn't really do any much work on the house in general. So when we were moved in, we essentially knew nobody that could be a resource for anything. And we also didn't even know what resources we need. Like we didn't know that we needed a pest control person. We didn't know that we needed a new driveway. We didn't know. I mean, that the septic needs to be checked from time to time. We didn't even know where the septic was. All sorts of crazy things. Um, there was a, a separate story for another day that yeah. involved a metal detector and days and days of searching for treasures. Yeah. And also we also had no internet. The figuring out how to get us internet was a process that never actually ended because it went from me having getting us the most basic thing to me wanting to figure out how to get us like incredible internet. And in the end, the last two weeks is when all of those solutions were going to come together. And I just never was able to get it together because by the time everything arrived, it was over. We had left. And so we essentially planted this blueberry bush, these blueberry bushes, set up the perfect internet. Um, built everything on this property for these new people to just literally move in. It's really, it's insane actually to think about mm -hmm. it. And so we left all that stuff behind with all of the people and the resources that we used to help guide them. And we also were able to like give them advice like, Hey, you need this weed whacker, you need a chainsaw, you need, you know, you're going to want a shovel, <laughs> like basic things that you're going to want these tools and it's going to be important for you to have them. And also just, it's very difficult when you move from New York City to move to the country because you have some sort of, typically people have this fantasy on how things are going to be. In reality, it's just going to be, you have the same person <laughs> living with that, you, you know, you are the same person or, you know, you've expanded, but you're still you. You're just in a new place and there's different things you need. You don't need a Metro card anymore, <laughs> right? But now you do need to go to the gas station your car is no longer like a cool thing to have that you need to look for parking for. A <laughs> car got beaten up. Yeah, your car is the thing that allows you to get the things you need and get where you need to go. There's no other choice. So I feel like I was able to give these new buyers the opportunity to come in and not have to start from scratch. Really to just like kind of go right in and pick up 
a life, which is really, really cool. It felt good for me to pass that stuff over, even though there was a part of me, I'm just being honest. I was like, they really should earn it. Like they should have to figure this out. And I don't know why I thought that, but for me, maybe that was my lesson that I needed to figure it out. But maybe for them, that's not part of their lesson or what there is for them to learn. Maybe it's just like, hey, let's just move in. So I would probably say that it was that passing it over to them. It was that those last couple of beautiful, amazing nights that we spent, like looking at the stars so bright and then looking down at the earth and realizing the fireflies were so bright and it was just the entire world was flickering. That was one of the most beautiful moments we had when we were there. In fact, we did a voice recording during one of those evenings that I will insert here. I don't think you can see anything out here, whoever's watching, but it's the most beautiful sky above the millions of stars that we can see and the fireflies on earth. There's just, they're everywhere. They're, they're lighting up the earth and the stars are lighting up the heavens. And it's, it's gotta be the most incredible display I've ever seen in my life. So many stars. We're just walking from the workshop to the house. And we paused and our eyes have been adjusting and with every moment that we stand here we see more and more stars and standing under the stars makes me feel so alive. It's one of my favorite things to do in the world. It makes me feel like anything is possible. It makes me feel so present in my body and it makes me think really big. And I love that we're sharing this moment here on one of our last nights at the cabin as we enter a new chapter and take this, this next step in the adventure of our lifetime that we, that vision that we created when we went to South Africa to get married a year ago. Oh, man, it's so beautiful tonight. And this is one of those final gifts that the land is giving us, that God is giving us being here right now if you could just kind of imagine like a, like a huge concert venue where everyone is flashing their cell phone light <laughs> and turning it on and off and like they're all like coordinated in a beautiful symphonious cacophony and that's what's happening right in front of our faces on earth and up above looks like more and more stars are popping out of the middle of nowhere at every moment and the stars that used to seem just sedentary are flickering and they're alive like I've never seen before. And it's like, I just wanted you to see this is what you've had the whole time. There's nothing new here. You're just appreciating and it's really magnificent. And uh, we had a couple really great gifts before leaving. One of them was we saw four hummingbirds at the same time uh, trying to get to the feeder. And then we saw two hummingbirds feeding right opposite each other, looking so beautiful. And then there was a mama deer with a baby deer that came right by our fire pit today. Yep. We saw a baby deer that was left on our property. We didn't touch it, but we looked at it. It was beautiful. And the horses gave us some love today. My favorite dog in town vomited on me and I didn't even say a word 
I just cleaned it up. And then <laughs> I put him back on my lap and hugged him again. It was green vomit. Must have been eating grass. That's what I thought. It's absolutely magnificent looking up at these stars. I don't think I've ever seen, I've been to the desert in Israel and there were so many stars there. I think there are more stars tonight here. Some of these fireflies, not fireflies, lightning bugs. Aren't they the same thing? I don't know. I call them fireflies. Maybe they are. They look like uh, shooting stars. Like, it's just incredible. There's so many planes in the sky, too. Hmm. What are some of the other gifts we've gotten before we've left? Oh, look at the fireflies. Amazing. That amazing mushroom biscuit at the walk-in in Limston Manor. An incredible massage and acupuncture session and Pilates for me. We ran into our favorite person in town, David, and he commented on the horses, saying how cute the colt is. And that was very moving because he's like a, you know, like a badass, rough guy. Tough guy. Tough guy. He looked at the colt and said, what did he say? He said, that colt is so cute. <laughs> <laughs> I'm... I can't believe what's happening right now, like with these stars. With the cool also the berries, the raspberries. Oh my God! Yeah, the berries and the wild strawberries. But you know what's really amazing and beautiful is that we planted these blueberries early last year, and my dream is always to have. Everybody knows if you've ever been on social media last year. My dream is always to have my own blueberry bush. That was delicious blueberries. And last year it did come true. But this year, both of those bushes have grown greatly. They've had like a full year and three months or something like that. And they're absolutely covered with berries. And I'm pretty sure not a single one of those berries is going to be right before we leave. And I think they're actually, I'm pretty sure they're two years old now. They're two years old? Mm -hmm. Oh, was it two years that we got them? Yep. Oh, wow. It reminds me of that old proverb. It's like someone was like planting a carob tree. An old man was planting a carob tree. And they went up to the old man and they said, why are you planting this carob tree? He's not going to fruit for 70 years. 70. Seven zero. And he said, well... It might not fruit for me, but it'll fruit for the next generation. And the next the generation before me planted the ones that fruited for me. And it kind of feels like that with our blueberries. We're offering them to the next stewards of this land. I'm excited to have a closing ceremony with the land. Maybe this is it. Oh. Thank you, land. You've held us, you've protected us, you've loved us, you've nourished us. And we're so grateful for this beautiful opportunity. Absolutely the greatest three years of development that I can think of. Yeah, one thing that was amazing was kind of closing the loop on nature. When I had moved into 
when we moved to the cabin, I hadn't had too much nature in my life. And what was amazing was all of the animals that we became friends with. And we learned to appreciate animals and wildlife in a way that I had not ever appreciated it before. So we closed the loop on a number of really cool, amazing events and relationships. First thing was we went to the alpaca farm, which was our first animal love situation. And um, that sounded really weird. Our first, uh, our first situation in which we fell in love, I fell in love with animals. And I thought that I was going to see all the alpacas that I met and loved and kissed before, but really none some of them were away at camp. Some of them were away. And actually really none of them were too interested in talking to me, which was kind of heartbreaking. But what happened is we did meet this new alpaca. Her name is Nancy. And she was in love with you. My gosh, she loved you so much. She jumped on you and kissed you and played with you. So it was one much. of the best moments in my life. At first, I got scared because she approached me from the back and kind of stomped me with love to the ground, but I didn't know it was love. And I kind of like thought maybe I should move away. And then it was explained to me that she's just playing like this and she just kept stomping on me and then kissing my face and kind of nibbling on my neck and chest and hair. And it was one of the most fun moments of feeling alive I've ever had in my entire life. I'll never forget it. Yeah, I also loved that moment too. I was videoing it and I got so much satisfaction by seeing you interact with Nancy. And it really felt like it completed the experience for me just to be um, an observer, a witness to that love. Then another animal relationship that we had been developing really intensely is um, the horses at the post office, uh, the, the Brown family. <laughs> and um, Mr. Brown his mother, his brother, Mr. White, and his son, Colt. And uh, as we, we, you know, we'd been spending a lot of time with them, but things got really hectic the days before the pack. And we were driving out literally to the airport. And I said, let's stop by to see if uh, Mr. Brown is there. So we stopped by and they're all crowded near the gate, near the post office. And we walk over. And before we walked over, I said, I hope you guys know we're leaving. Really want to say goodbye. And we walked over and Brown came over, which he doesn't always come over even with food, came over and he let me kiss his face and give him a hug. And then his son Colt came over and also let us, you know, pet him and just said, bye, buddy. It felt like they knew. It felt like they knew that we're leaving and they felt the, the, the importance of that moment for us. They did. And what was crazy is, I guess we're working backwards here is while we were driving out of our house, we actually saw this. As soon as we started pulling down the road, this hawk flew right over us. And kept flying in the direction where we're going towards for a while. Yeah, it was really cool. I mean, we see, I've seen some bald eagles and, but to have that hawk flying over us at that moment we were leaving was, it was so magical. It was truly magical. Then, we haven't even talked about the day before because that might have been the most amazing day before that we had. I'm smiling just thinking about it. Yeah. So I never really, I knew of the existence of hummingbirds, of course, and I might have seen one or two, but in the last year, we've really like doubled down our hummingbird knowledge and love. And I've been looking for them and we have this feeder. Now, I always felt like the hummingbird, I know hummingbirds talk to people or get near them, but I didn't think they were going to get near me or you. So what happened was our friend, Andy, 
sat on the bench where the hummingbird feeder was and he put his finger right next to the hummingbird feeder. And I was like, oh, this isn't going to work. But guess what? The hummingbird sat right above his finger and he said, I felt the wind, the cool wind from the hummingbird flapping the wings. And I was like, wow, that's amazing. So I went over there and uh, Ksenia went over there with me and we did the same thing. And this hummingbird came over and he sat and he touched his feathers against our fingers as he drank from the feeder. And then he would get up in the air, look us in the eyes and then go back and sit down and eat more. It was so amazing. It was, it was truly magical. I, I feel like a hummingbird is something from another realm. Like their energy is so amazing. They're so ethereal. And they're also very beautiful and cute. And it was so amazing. And it was just made me think the whole time, like I could have, we could have done this <laughs> from the beginning. Mm -hmm. But what I love about hummingbirds most is how they size you up and they look at you. So like, for example, they'll just stop flying and they're like, it looks like they're squinting and they'll just like get to eye level with you. Just stand there in the in midair and just be like, yeah, you're good. And then come in so much hummingbird interaction before we left. It made me, that was another thing. It was hard for me to leave. I was like, well, we've got Mr. Brown, we've got hummingbirds, Nancy, the hawk. Oh, and then snakes kept on coming mm -hmm. by too. And it was just so many amazing things. And oh, such a big full circle thing too is on the day before we left, guess who came? Pest control guy. Mm -hmm. This is the first person that came to our house. Oh, yeah. Yeah, remember, he was the first guy. He came over and he's like, oh, yeah, you guys got a bad ant problem. I'm like, yes, sir, I know. <laughs> um, and he came to do like an, you know, a spray before the new owners took over. What was so cool is we were able to, we've been you know, reflecting with him and he's seen everything. He's seen the house be renovated. He's seen the shed. He's seen the office shed. He's seen the workshop being built. And he's helped protect all of those from insects and stuff. And what's so amazing is we're like, yeah, we're selling. He's like, well, you guys did great. And it's really cool to see this property grow. I'm thinking this guy was here when we were at our, at, in the worst situation. And he was there the last full day that we were there, you know, just spraying it and being like, I'm like, yeah, we had a couple ants or one ant or something that we saw. It was just such a better situation. And he just was there through the whole thing with us that I just felt like really full circle on that. And then on our very last night, we had a beautiful, huge fire with Andy and we had a ceremony. We all threw a cacao bean into the fire and shared our reflections and intentions. And then we were on our way out. We're not going to go into the trip itself because it was very hectic and very stressful, <laughs> not as stressful as the move in. But then arriving here in Austin and being able to go buy groceries at a late Coffee. hour at night and not have to drive home three hours and pack the, all these freezer bags and then unpack. Being able to have a casual meeting with a friend, being able to get a massage or a pedicure. It's so interesting how I forgot all of these beauties of living in civilization. And even though right now in our beautiful Airbnb, we have a very tiny backyard I feel like I still have such potent access to nature. Like I wake up, I put my feet on the earth, I see the squirrel visit, I see this red bird come by, I hear the cicadas, and maybe we don't need as much property as I thought we do. So I'm just really excited to take it day by day. And I got a huge download on the plane right over here. What was it? 
I was really stressed out about the social aspect of things. I've not really been surrounded by people for a while. I feel quite feral. But I also <laughs> felt all these pressures of, okay, well, when I meet people, how am I going to introduce myself? What do I do? Uh, what, are, what are the projects I'm going to be launching? Like, what's the next thing that's so cool that's going to define me? And then I was reading Wayne Dyer and I got this message. Just take it one day at a time. First, nourish your body, allow yourself to restore and focus on being. There's absolutely nothing to do. If you need to take the whole summer off, there is nothing to produce. There's only who you be. And I just got a huge kind of sigh. <sighs> okay, let's do this. I can do it. I can do it one day at a time and I can just pause, drop into my heart and be. There's no one to be other than myself. There's no one to impress and everything is going to work out exactly how it's meant to. If I just allow the flow of life to be instead of trying to shape every little thing that we're building here. That's powerful. I feel um, when you said I'm going to take two months off, I was like, great, do it. I trust your, I trust your guidance. For me, um, moving over here, I, my business is generally remote, so it didn't seem like anything was going to be that crazy different. But what has happened was I think part of me in the move here was thinking, this is really going to be the place where I'm going to launch my art career in the sense that this is a place where my artwork is available for people to have in their lives as energy outside of social media. And so I don't know, I have no idea how that is going to be the case, but I'm just... I feel the way yeah, that. Yeah. I'm just feeling that I'm just going to allow God to bring me that opportunity, bring me these opportunities and continue to create. Because my job is to, is to do the creation part and let the rest kind of work itself out. That doesn't mean that I'm not going to have conversations with people. But it really just means that leading with the work and the being behind that work. Then also just who knows what else is possible just by being in this place with other people. You know, I haven't been in a place with other people since New York City, really. And I just knew my time there was over. One of the things I've noticed about New York City and I'm one of New York City bashes, everyone's there like, yeah, I'm here to make it. And then like mm. insert what you want to make it in. And I don't feel that need or pressure to make it i'm here to be and so where i am is just in the unknown like hey i wonder what could happen i wonder what's possible and we you know when we don't have anything all pinned down there's times when it could be i don't want to say the word scary but like yeah. uncertainty maybe anxiety pro provoking occasionally but i also know that what we're going to receive is so much bigger than what we can imagine. And so if we try to like pin down what we're going to receive without us having adjusted energetically, we're going to pin something down that's smaller than what's possible for us. Eric had to go take a phone call. But the one more thing that I have been really marinating on and have been called to share with you is this is the first time in my adult life where I'm moving to a new city, to a new state without a specific reason why. Yesterday I was at Trader Joe's and the cashier, I told him that I just moved from New York and he asked me what brings me here and I said intuition. And he kind of looked at me a little bit funny. But that is the truth. Previously when I moved from Moscow to San Francisco, it's because I was starting grad school, that I moved from San Francisco to New York because there were a couple of internships I had lined up for my fashion career. 
that I was dreaming of and that was manifesting very rapidly. And now there is no external known reason why I know we're moving to Austin. And if I think about it really hard, I probably could come up with a couple of things, including community. I have a lot of friends who have moved here from all coasts. But truly, even if that wasn't the case, I feel like we still would have been called here. There's something about Austin. I don't know what it is, but you probably are also hearing about a lot of people who are moving here. And I know it's because it's some sort of an energetic vortex that we have yet to discover. And I think it's that not knowing exactly what opportunities we're creating the space for that feels really scary at times. You know, Eric spoke to that fear and that has been very present for me and it manifests as this social anxiety slash like manufactured internal pressure to do and accomplish. And I've been really allowing myself to step into the grace of pure being and not needing to get anything done other than that. This move was very, very potent energetic portal, something we didn't even mention with Eric, but the movers got lost. So they were moving our belongings from our house to a storage unit that is a five minute drive away. And they got lost for over an hour. And they said their phone didn't work. Google took them to the wrong place. It felt like some sort of vortex was opened up, some sort of portal opened up and kind of thinking stranger things right now. And we were meant to use it to transition into the next chapter of our lives. And there have been so many synchronicities already unfolding and guiding us and affirming in this decision from the Airbnb that we have moved into that is unlike any other Airbnb I saw available or ever stayed at. And I couldn't have even imagined that it would be this way. It's got two desks with these comfortable office chairs. It's got a Vitamix, all the things that I'm used to having in my daily life that creates this beautiful space for my rituals. It's got this beautiful backyard where I have been reading and meditating in the morning, a stunning bedroom. And even though it's within the city, all I can see from the windows are treetops. And that's exactly the kind of nature oasis I was imagining when I was envisioning our life here. I would still like to have access to civilization, but very much access to nature at the same time. On our very first trip to my favorite coffee shop, Greater Goods, I ran into some friends and then I went to Neighborhood Goods with Eric and we met up with a friend there. And I'm not huge into poetry. I don't always have access to receiving it fully. And it's an inside joke <laughs> that I have with my friends. And somehow when we walked into this beautiful store, Neighborhood Goods, I, my hands just reached for a Mary Oliver book. And the first page that I opened up, and the only page that I opened up was this poem that I'm called to share with you now. It's called Storage. When I moved from one house to another, there were many things I had no room for. What does one do? I rented a storage space and filled it. Years passed. Occasionally I went there and looked in, but nothing happened. Not a single twinge of the heart. As I grew older, the things I cared about grew fewer, but were more important. So one day, 
I undid the lock and called the trash man. He took everything. I felt like the little donkey when his burden is finally lifted. Things. Burn them, burn them. Make a beautiful fire. More room in your heart for love. For the trees. For the birds who own nothing, the reason they can fly. And that's exactly how I feel right now. Even if our trailer never makes it here, yes, there will be a couple of crystals and pieces of art that I will reminisce, or maybe diaries and old photographs with my family. But other than that, I feel this freedom. And it's interesting how sometimes to create space for this kind of freedom, it really takes moving through some uncomfortable spaces of contraction and fear and scarcity. But then once we make that internal choice to move forward, to step forward into the unknown, everything else unfolds. All the divine crumbs just appear. And all we have to do is continue making that choice moment by moment to step into the unknown, to lead with the heart, to be fully present without needing to push to get things done and trusting grace every step of the way. Thank you for witnessing this journey with us. We're just getting started. I feel like this was a very small glimpse into all of the different storylines and possibilities that are unfolding. And I'm excited to keep you in the loop on what shows up and transpires and what kind of miracles we get to experience. And I wish that you too choose this courage right now to make space for the highest outcome, for the highest possibility, for moving in the world from your heart, for choosing to shine your medicine, even when there's distractions all around you, because you are capable of it and because you deserve it. If you're moved by what was shared in this episode and not sure how to take action, start by writing it down. When we notice abundance and clarity in all shapes and forms and honor it, it grows. And if you're called to share the podcast with someone who you know is ready to receive it, follow that. Find all episodes, show notes, and current offerings on XeniaBrief.com. Subscribe to Xenia Brief Podcast on Apple Podcasts, leave a rating and a review, and take one deep breath into the knowing that's already within you.